The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. realization that you were born in sin and you need to be saved? Welcome to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Pastor Ray from the National Prayer Chapel. It's almost impossible in this day for even a Christian to be saved. We have every entertainment, we have every seduction of evil, We have every activity. We have every lust and desire of our hearts. Until you have a deep conviction of need, 
you'll never have a realization of how much you need to change. But God has his ways. His ways are sometimes very painful. It seems that God goes back and forth between, okay, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to be extremely kind to you, even though you don't deserve it. I'm going to give you that job. I'm going to give you that wife. I'm going to give you that husband. I'm going to give you that house or that car. I'm going to bless you. And then if you don't turn in repentance, because God's kindness is meant to lead us to repentance. When we don't repent, but we begin to take these things for granted. How is God to get our attention? Well, he'll often get our attention through sickness, through pain. And some of you today are suffering a great deal of pain. Some of you are truly on beds of affliction. Some of you have a terminal diagnosis with cancer or leukemia or some other heart issue. And it looks like you're going to die. And you don't know how to get through this. You don't know. It's all blocked up. Let me ask you an honest question. If God healed you today, pardon me, If God healed you today, would you immediately return to your normal life? Would you pursue the things that you've been pursuing? Would you continue with your bucket list? If God healed you today, would you turn instead and seek after God with all of your heart, with all of your mind, with all of your soul, and would you lay aside all of the things of this world and recognize that you have to be serious about God and set your heart on him and him alone? Probably not. You probably, if you were healed today, would immediately return to the normal life of the American, the American lifestyle the pursuit of your own dreams, the ambitions that you have. It's almost impossible for God to save even a Christian today because there's no deep realization of our desperate need. Have you recently spent a night in prayer Have you been so concerned about your soul's salvation and the salvation of others that you have wept before the Lord? Do you see the destruction that's coming upon America? Inflation, 7.9, and screaming higher. I can see the day when you'll have to spend $100 just to buy a loaf of bread. 
Well, you have to spend a couple hundred dollars just to get a tank of gas. We're going into a time of intense darkness and difficulty for America. Why? Because America have given God the finger. We've spit in his face. Even the Christians, so-called. We have only pursued our own desires. We've used our money for our own desires. Oh, we've given some. We may have even given a tithe. But basically, we are centered around ourselves and our families and our lifestyle. How is God to break through that? With God, all things are possible. And through sickness and through job loss, through famine, God may get our attention. Revival is not going to come because suddenly, in God's grace and mercy, he pours out the Holy Spirit. Revival is going to come as men and women begin to recognize their wicked ways, where men recognize that their fornication is wrong, it is sin. When men begin to recognize and women begin to recognize that they can't shack up with each other, that it's against the way of God. When men and women begin to realize that they can't just go on with their entertainment any longer and waste their time, they've got to seek after Jesus and they've got to pray and read the scriptures and fast. It's going to have to come a great, quiet seriousness upon the hearts of men and women in America, or we will be totally destroyed as a country. We are an extremely wicked nation. And the wickedness of this nation is compounded by the fact that once we were a righteous nation and we were given great blessings from heaven and we were given wonderful understandings of Scripture. But we've turned away from that as Americans. In the book of Malachi, the second chapter. And now this admonition is for you, O priests. And in the old covenant, the priests were set apart. But in the new covenant, all of those who call themselves Christians are called priests. So if you call yourself a Christian today, God considers you a priest in the household of God. If you do not listen, and if you do not set your heart to honor my name, says the Lord Almighty, I will send a curse upon you, and I will curse your blessings. Yes, I've already cursed them because you have not set your heart to honor me. God has already cursed America. And if we do not heed and turn, we will be destroyed. You, your family, your finances, your health, we're in trouble. 
Now, he says something that is so shocking to me, I don't want to even share it with you. But I want you to see how serious God is about this. Because of you, I will rebuke your descendants. I will spread on your faces the manure from your festival sacrifices and you will be carried off with it, and you will know that I have sent you this admonition so that my covenant with Levi may continue, says the Lord Almighty. Now this is shocking. But saying that God is so disgusted with his people, and he is today equally disgusted with his people, that he will smear on our faces the cow and sheep and goat manure. Can you think of anything that could cause you to feel more filthy than having your face covered with cow pile and the stench and the filth? God is saying, that's what I'm going to do to you in America. And he's in the process of doing that. Please understand, this is not something in the future. He is now beginning to do that. He will destroy and is in the process of destroying the entire American economy. He's in the process of causing the dollar to be utterly destroyed and exposed by wicked men. Last night, over a trillion-dollar budget was passed in secret between 1 and 2 a.m. in a secret meeting in the Congress by Nancy Pelosi so that those who might oppose this incredible inflationary spending would not have any say, and godly men and women would not be able to know about it. Our Congress, our government, is utterly corrupt and evil. In every branch, the executive, the legislative, and the Supreme Court. I'm deeply troubled. I see the judgments of God now, war, in Ukraine, with America playing. We might even face now atomic warfare. I pray not. But if we don't turn, I know it will come and America will burn. Please understand me. God has so blessed this nation and we have abused him to such an extent that now God is saying the day of judgment has come and we will die. The only possibility is for you to get serious with Jesus about what you know you are sinning in against him, whether that be pornography whether that be a lust for money, 
whether that be angry bitterness, if it's a lack of forgiveness in your heart, some sons and daughters and brothers and sisters, mothers and fathers, don't even talk to each other. Why? Because grudges are held from supposed wrongs of long ago. And judgments are passed and superiority is there. And scorn is in our hearts. And God is grieved by this. I know people who call themselves very religious Christians who don't talk to their parents, who've cut them off, who've judged them. I know of of brothers and sisters who don't speak to one another because there's angry judgments, accusations, bitterness, hardness of heart. This is sin against God. Many, I know, are so filled with addiction to drugs, to alcohol, to food, to games, to video games, to violence. so addicted that God can't break through. What's he going to have to do to break through in their hearts and your hearts? I'll tell you what he's done to break through in my heart. He put me in time out. He said, okay, I'm going to take you back from your very successful public ministry. I'm going to cut you off. And I've been there now for many years. And God knows that with me, takeaway works. Timeout works. And so I've become very serious about Jesus. And I come and speak to you in a very serious manner. Not because I'm angry with you, not because I condemn you, but because I see with eyes in the spirit now, and I hear what he says to me in vision, in dream. I don't call myself a prophet. I'm a watchman on the wall. I read the scriptures. I see the reality of what's happening, and I'm terrified for you. I know he says this. My covenant with Levi was a covenant of life and peace. And I gave them to him. And this calls for reverence. And he revered me and stood in awe of my name. I reverence the name of the almighty God of heaven. I do not want to treat him with contempt in any manner. And I have. 
I have treated God with contempt, thinking I can just go do what I want to do. I'm, I'm an American. I'm free. I'm 21. No, I'm not free. I'm a slave to the Lord Jesus Christ or I'm a slave to the devil. There's no room for me to live my life the way I choose. There is before me life and death. I choose life. I choose Jesus. True instruction was in his mouth and nothing false was found on his lips. I pray that is true of me. He walked with me in peace and uprightness and turned many from sin. You probably know by now that my first goal in coming to you on this radio broadcast is not to teach you the scriptures. You have already far too much teaching. You've heard too many sermons. My heart is to turn to turn you from your sin, to turn you from unrighteousness, to wake you up, to call you to get right with Jesus, to get serious about him, to spend your time and your energy seeking after him with all your heart, to turn off the the foolish, stupid entertainment of the world, to turn off the the wicked sports that you gamble on, to turn away from those things of darkness, from the lips of a priest, that's a list, the lips of my heart and the lips of your heart ought to preserve knowledge, and from his mouth, men should seek instruction. People should be coming to you and asking, how do I live like you do? How do I walk with Jesus? How can I find him? Because he is the messenger of the Lord Almighty. You are called to be a messenger in this day of absolute wickedness. Are you doing that? but you've turned away from the way and by your teachings have caused men to stumble. You have violated the covenant with Levi, says the Lord Almighty. So I have caused you to be despised and humiliated before all the people, and the American church is despised and humiliated before the people. The government says we are non-essentials. Shut your churches down. And most lazy pastors agreed and said, yes, sir, we are. We are not necessary. Breaks my heart. Now he says in verse 11, Judah has broken faith. A testable thing has been committed in Israel and in Jerusalem. Judah has desecrated the sanctuary of the Lord by marrying the daughter of foreign gods. That is, literally, some of you have married non-Christians. Or you have married and you are unequally yoked. 
and your life has been very painful. I spoke with a woman who married a Muslim man, had children. It's been a constant source of anguish and pain in her heart. Her husband is a is a very pleasant and good, in the worldly sense, man. He provides for his family. He loves his wife and his children. But he goes the way of the world. He doesn't go the way of the cross. And her heart has been burdened and in anguish. But there's another way. Judah broke faith. Judah tied itself into contracts with Egypt and with other worldly places. Judah brought into their heart the love of wickedness. Some of you have done that. You're shacked up with a woman you're not married to. You go to the pornography. You lust after money. Anger rules over your heart. You've married the daughter of a, of a foreign god. You're committing adultery against Jesus because you're giving your time and your energy and your heart to things of this world that are going to pass away, but will cause you to also pass away if you don't break with them and come out from a part of them. As for the man who does this, whoever it may be, may the Lord cut him off from the tents of Jacob. Even though he brings offerings to the Lord. The second thing that Judah has done, he says, you flood the Lord's altar with tears. You weep and you wail because he no longer pays attention to your offerings or accepts them with pleasure from your hands. And you ask why? Because you have broken faith with the wife of your youth. You've thrown your wife out or you've thrown your husband out. It says God hates divorce. I hate divorce. I would not choose divorce. Some couples are constantly bickering and fighting. Why? Because neither one is willing to humble their heart and love the other person and put them first. Now, it takes not just one to do that. It takes both. If one partner is constantly giving, humbling their heart, repenting, and the other partner is constantly accusing and cursing and being physically abusive, that marriage will end in divorce. And the children of that marriage will be destroyed. God is saying, look, at the very basic place where you live with your husband or you live with your wife, 
humble your heart before God and before them. Give up being right. Stop being defensive. Open your heart, humble your heart, and cry out to God for your partner. Pray for your partner without pride and without ignorance, without a lack of understanding. This is life and death for you. Now, much to my sorrow, I have been divorced. I don't like to talk about it because it causes me great sorrow and tears and grief. I did not choose it. I did not yell or scream. I was not abusive in any manner. But my partner that I thought would walk with me chose the way of the world and scorn and arrogance and pride stole a great deal of the Lord's possessions. I pray daily for that person. I've forgiven. And because I've forgiven, I pray for them. I cry out to God for them. The Lord says, I hate divorce, and I agree, I hate divorce. And if you are contemplating divorce, stop it. Repent and humble your heart before your partner and before God. Well, we're already separated. Well, go make reconciliation and humble your heart. The Lord says, if the partner walks away as an unbeliever, and to me, any person who divorces is walking away as an unbeliever, then let them go. Wow, talk about pain and wake-up call. That's pain and wake-up call. There is a third part. The Lord says, you have, you have wearied me. You have exhausted me with your many words. People call themselves intercessors and they pray constantly, but nothing happens. You're just Wearing God out with your words. By saying, this is why your words weary God. Because you say, all who do evil are good in the eyes of the Lord and he is pleased with them. Or or where is the God of justice? In other words, I have a right to feel the way I feel. I have a right to act the way I'm acting, even though it's evil, because I'm justified. Well, today, the modern church says, when you receive Jesus Christ as your Savior, when you accept him and you repent of your sins, quote, unquote, you're saved. You see that little 
nice sinner's prayer, which is non-biblical, by the way. You're saved. You're on your way to heaven. And you can never stop sinning. You're always going to be a sinner, they say. Wait a minute. The scripture says, you've wearied God with your words by saying, all who do evil are good in the eyes of the Lord. Because they say when God looks at you, he doesn't see you. He just sees Jesus. So you're evil, but you're good. You're on your way to heaven. You're saved in the midst of your wickedness. This makes God so angry. Makes God so angry. I've said before, because I preach this, and I preach Romans, the sixth chapter, and I preach First John, the third chapter, and many other portions of Scripture. I was summarily kicked out with the National Prayer Chapel from the Anglican Church. The Anglican bishop could not tolerate this heresy in his in his church. Poor man. I pray for him. I pray for him. I've listened to him preach a number of times. And every time he gives a wonderful message of of the gospel, and then at the end he pulls his punch and he says, and I'm so glad you all are saved. Even in the midst of your sin, you're saved. He's a liar. He is under the wrath of God. Malachi, the third chapter. See, I will send my messenger who will prepare the way before me. That is John the Baptist. And suddenly the Lord you are seeking will come to his temple. The messenger of the covenant whom you desire will come, says the Lord Almighty. And he came to Israel. And they rejected him. They threw him out. They murdered him. It's not a new thing that people will not accept the word that I'm preaching. It's not a wonder that people get angry when they're told they must leave their sin if they're going to enter into heaven. The wages of sin, now and always, will be death, eternal death. You can't change what the scriptures say. God doesn't change. He's the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. And he hates sin. He cannot tolerate sin in his kingdom. Now, in verse 2, he begins to speak about the final coming of Jesus. Who can endure the day of his coming? who can stand when he appears. For he will be like a refiner's fire or a launder's soap. He will sit as a refiner and purifier of silver. He will purify the Levites and refine them like gold and silver. Then the Lord will have men bring offerings in righteousness. This is what's going to happen. 
before the great coming of the Lord, in our day we will see the Lord come in the Holy Spirit, and he will be like a refiner's fire, like a launder's soap. This is the definition of revival. It is when a people are called out of their sin, and they respond, and they hear, and they are scrubbed clean. And then the Lord said, You shall live and not die. I woke up this morning welcoming the presence of the Holy Spirit. And I said, Oh, Holy Spirit, scrub me out. Scrub my heart out. Scrub everything about me. Come as a refiner's fire in my life. Let there be nothing in my heart that would in any way walk in darkness. I know of no known sin that I'm walking in. I'm walking clean before God. But I know there is still that human part of me that I'm terrified by. I don't want to treat Jesus with contempt. I want to honor the name of Jesus. I know I'm yet very immature and can quickly turn to the ways of darkness if I don't put them to death daily by the Holy Spirit. Am I putting you off by this kind of talk? I come to this broadcast and I can't just come and be this kind grandpa. Even though that's what I think I am. I can't, I can't not be honest and straight with you and real with you about who I am and about who I'm calling you to be. Who can endure the day of his coming? Who can stand when he appears? Then the Lord will have mercy on men who bring offerings in righteousness. So I will come near you for judgment. I will be quick to testify against sorcerers, adulterers, perjurers, against those who defraud laborers of their wages, who oppress the widows, who oppress the fatherless, who deprive aliens of justice. But they don't fear me, says the Lord Almighty. I, the Lord, do not change. Malachi 3, verse 6. So you, O descendants of Jacob, are not destroyed. We have not been destroyed yet in America because God doesn't change. He is a God of extreme mercy and love and kindness. But if we do not return to the Lord, we will be destroyed. 
you will be destroyed. You will be cut down in sickness. You will be cut down financially. You'll be cut down with a lack of food and famine. And you're going to lose everything. Now I read for you from Romans the 8th chapter. The mind of sinful man is death. This is Romans 8 verse 6. The mind of sinful man is death. But the mind controlled by the spirit is life and peace. The sinful mind is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those controlled by the sinful nature cannot please God, and I add, even though you are extremely religious. You, however, are controlled not by the sinful nature, but by the Spirit, if the Spirit of God lives in you. And I pray that is your condition today before God. And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, your body is dead because of sin, yet your spirit is alive because of righteousness. In other words, you you died to sin. You were crucified with Christ. If the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead, will also give life to your mortal bodies through his Spirit who lives in you. Therefore, brothers, we have an obligation, but it is not to the sinful nature to live according to it. For if you live according to the sinful nature, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. How do you do that? You do that in the prayer closet. You do that by fasting and praying and crying out to God until you have the full victory in your life. But if you're too busy to pray, if you're too concerned with the world and the things of the flesh, you will not put to death that wickedness by the Spirit of God. Oh, my brother, my sister. What are you going to do? The Lord says, if you put to death these misdeeds of the body, you will live. I want you to live. Some of you are undergoing very painful trials, those trials, those sicknesses, those financial setbacks. All of those are meant to cause you to turn and cry out to God. But see, we get very settled in our pain. We get settled in our wickedness. We get settled in our lifestyle. And we say, well, I guess this is just how life is going to be. Somebody said to me recently, someone who is desperately sick, well, I guess I just have to adjust my life to to match my conditions. I have to match my expectations with what 
I'm capable of doing. Find that in the scripture for me, please. It's not there. Healing comes from Jesus Christ. And healing is available for you. If you will turn to the Lord. And if you will cry out to him. Now he takes a person when he's ready to take them. I live in an old tent. He's given me extreme health so that I have not had to go to a doctor for 30, 40 years. When I am ill, I pray. And I do what the Lord tells me to do. And he heals me and lifts me up. But the day will come when I'll lay this body down and Jesus will say, now, come on, Ray, move into this new body, a heavenly body. Okay. But don't turn away. If you're walking righteous before God, don't turn away from the reality that he may still have a work for you to do. And his healing is here for you, but you're going to have to cry out after him and not settle into what you think life is going to be like now as you live with your handicap, with your illness, with your sickness, with your limitation of money, with your limitation of abilities. I know God is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. And he is a God of wonderful, great mercy and kindness and long-suffering. And he wants us to leave our sin, that we would not receive the wages of sin, which is death, but we would receive the wages of righteousness, which is eternal life. Now, righteousness is a free gift. It is given by faith in Jesus, but it's real righteousness. It's not make-believe. It's not imputed righteousness. It's imparted righteousness. There is no place in Scripture that imputed righteousness is taught. It is imparted to us by the Holy Spirit, by the blood of Jesus. And I'm... I'm very concerned for you today, even those who say I'm very religious. I love Jesus. I praise God for you, but are you lukewarm? Is your heart just lukewarm? Or are you on fire for Jesus? Are you all about Jesus? Or are you all about your life and what you want and where you're going to go and what your job is going to be? Are you setting your mind on Jesus Christ and him crucified? Have you been washed in the blood? Have you been transformed into his likeness? Have you been glorified with him? Have you been filled with the Holy Spirit? Do you have the power of the Holy Spirit in your heart and your life? Or are you drifting? 
continuing to walk in your wicked ways, going from one crisis to another. Don't you get tired of crisis and drama? God is wanting to bring you into his peace and in his quiet. Now, I can have things happen in my life that are very dramatic, but I don't play into the drama. I simply take them to Jesus and lay them before him and say, Jesus, this is what's happened. I'm not going to get angry. I'm not going to get discouraged. I'm not going to get happy. I'm going to simply give them to you because I receive only from your hand what you choose to give me. If the devil hands me a snake, I'm not going to hang on to it. I'm going to give it to Jesus. Do you understand what I'm saying to you today? This is life and death. And I recognize how very, very difficult it is in this quote-unquote wonderful American environment with all of the internet and Google and our cell phones and our entertainment and our games, our video games, all of our, our sports and our hobbies and our, our televisions and our movies and our cell phones. All of this technology does not bring righteousness. It brings wickedness in most places. And many of you who are parents have no clue what your daughter and what your son are doing on the Internet. You don't know the filth that's on the Internet, where one or two clicks away and you can be right in the midst of utter depravity and wickedness. My brother, my sister, It's time to get serious about Jesus and turn away from this casualness, this love of the world. The wrath of God is coming upon America because of our wicked ways. It's coming upon us because of the murder of children and and the incredible sexual uncleanness the lust for drugs and money and lifestyle for what we did with slavery. We are the children of slavers. I'm not. My family came from England and from Germany. They didn't hold slaves. But I want to tell you The sins of the generations in the past have stacked up to heaven against us because we have not repented and walked righteous before God. Let's pray. I know, Lord, that your wrath is stacked up to the heavens against against America and against those who call themselves Christians but walk lukewarm before you. I know your judgment is coming if we don't quickly turn. Lord, would you turn the heart of America back to you? 
Lord, would you come? I know you are a God who is loving and merciful and kind beyond measure. Lord, please come now. I pray in your holy name. Amen. Well, you've been listening to Pastor Ray Greenley from the National Prayer Chapel. Very few will tolerate these words. I pray you will. I'd love to hear from you. You are the ones who, by the power of the Holy Spirit, are prompted to give, and that is very necessary right now. Write to me at the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. Again, that's the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. You can also go on the internet, and it's always a great encouragement to me to see who comes. And always a great encouragement to me when you respond with a a message or you respond by giving online. Ellen, thank you. You've been faithful for so many years. Thank you. Karen, Amelia, thank you. I pray God's blessing for you. Go to the webpage nationalperchapel.com. I'll talk to you soon.